1: This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.
2: This is Women
3: To Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams.
2: Women To Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world.
4: It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change
2: be inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams
3: true philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given
2: now women to watch
3: here's your host sue rocco
4: good evening everyone and thank you so much for being with me for another week of women to watch here on talk radio 1210 wpht it's great to be back And tonight, I have the honor of speaking with Stephanie Benedetto. Stephanie is the founder and CEO of Queen of Raw, which is a technology platform for businesses to recapture value from their wasted materials, and she really came up with a novel idea for a big problem, and she's going to be with us in just a moment. Remember to stay with us as we go into our breaks to hear from our exclusive watch team of on-air contributors from Jefferson University Hospital, Tivity Health, Pathways Consulting, and Fortis Wealth, bringing you all kinds of great information around your health, finance, technology, and leadership. And as always, be sure to visit our website uh, to stay in the loop on all things Women to Watch at womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. So now, uh, without any further ado, I'd like to welcome to the show Stephanie Benedetto. Stephanie, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me.
5: It's great to be a part of this.
4: You know, everyone that I've spoken to about you, uh, people who perhaps are mutual friends or know you, all describe you as a rock star.
5: Oh, thank you so much. Oh, I appreciate it. I couldn't do it without the support and feedback from an incredible community, including powerful women that we are learning from and sharing experiences with.
4: Absolutely. And listen, a big part of your story is is absolutely the fact that your family's been in the garment industry for over 100 years. That's um, the yeah, truth, <laughs> right? So, t- was it inevitable that you would end up there? probably is inevitable. Of course, I grew
5: up hearing the stories. Absolutely love the fashion and textiles industry, love supply chain. But of course, typical, you know, family member said, I'm not doing the family route. Went to Wall Street as a corporate attorney, but naturally we get back to who we are, don't we? So ended up specializing in fashion technology and sustainability and always wanted to build a business to go change the world. So connect the dots and here we are.
4: Yeah. Well, listen, it takes a lot of um, courage and confidence to to do something um, like you're doing because it's it's a little bit out of the box. And yeah. I want to share this quote because I think it speaks directly to your confidence. You said, don't be afraid to move into a crowded market space with many competitors you can learn from their mistakes, do it better, command their market share, and be the best or I'm sorry, last player who really dominates. Yes. What a what a, Yeah, what a great quote. Tell me um where well, that came you. from. Tell me where that confidence in you came from.
5: You know, I, I was very fortunate. I went to an all women's school for 14 years growing up in Greenwich, Connecticut, raised in a predominantly female household. And I think that that kind of experience and the public speaking skills and the confidence that they brought out in me from a very early age has really helped me to be able to be an entrepreneur In a very (laughs) complicated but powerful space and as a female entrepreneur, female CEO, woman in tech and woman in blockchain and sustainability, you know, there are a lot of um, opportunities there, but of course it comes with challenges and you do need to find that internal confidence and strength because you're definitely going to hear plenty of no's. We always do, especially in the beginning yes, of any yes. business and when you're innovating in a new space. But if you keep pushing through and if you drive with that confidence from inside, looking for the right partners, the yeses, the people who believe, it's funny enough, many of those no's are coming right back around now and saying yes to us in our business <laughs> model. So, right. yeah. you know, it just it takes that. And I think... I looked at what we were doing in this space, and even though we have very powerful new technology and new new business models and new applications of what we're doing, there are big players like Alibaba and Amazon in theory could do what we're doing yes. but they're not um, yes. and people might look at something and say you know don't you know, it's, it's a crowded space maybe you know this isn't the right time or place and how are you going to compete with them well no we've really been able to stand apart from them and, and built a name for ourselves because of that and I, I do believe in that quote.
4: Yeah so one of the things you did was you pitched your idea to Microsoft um or at the Microsoft theater I should say and and yeah. uh, won the top prize what Thank was you. that like and and what was kind of your tactic going in there
5: you know obviously we have a, an incredible team we are a bootstrap startup and, uh, and like any business at a certain point we're, we're generating revenue we have customers and we've been growing beautifully but You know, it takes money to make money. And so one of the tactics that we used was to go after the quote unquote free money and to try to win competitions and awards. And so we were very fortunate to be the grand prize winner of the WeWork Creator Awards presented by Ashton Kutcher. And as part of that, we did get to pitch live on stage in front of tens of thousands of people in the theater. (laughs) Not a small room, yeah. It was, no, it was massive. We had 60 seconds. To pitch our idea to Ashton Kutcher, Gary Vaynerchuk, P. Diddy, and then Kirsten Green. Uh, oh my gosh! And, uh,
4: did you know any was, of these folks uh, beforehand? I
5: did. We okay. I, I did have some exposure to them before, okay. so we had yeah. gotten some feedback and gone through a process to get there. But mm-hmm. um, you know, then on that stage, if you can get your pitch and your idea down to sixty seconds and win them over, you know, yes. it, it
4: feels good. <laughs> really, you should be teaching people how to do that. Right. (laughs) It it was the hardest
5: thing I've done, but it definitely we learned a lot from that experience for sure.
4: Can you tell me what did you do with that three hundred and sixty thousand initially? What where did that go?
5: we have used it obviously to support our incredible and growing team as well as to listen to our customers learn what they want to need and start to grow some of our tools and how we can support and nurture the community that we spent time building up right now so um, we're very fortunate we are you know, smart lean mean with our money we still have runway left but uh you know if you really leverage what's out there and open source and readily available and then put the dollars into what really matters to make your business sing and unique, I think that's how you can stand apart from those big boys and girls and competitors and really be unique and powerful in a, in a crowded space.
4: Exactly. Now, tell me, I want to know, and I always ask this question of my guests, what kind of drives your own personal ambition? Yes. And in your yes. case, I'm, I'm curious how much of it is you know, the mission behind what you're doing, how much of it is um, enjoying a challenge, um, or just the excitement of that kind of, you know, work that it takes to be an entrepreneur?
5: It's definitely probably a combination of all of that. When I think about it through the days that are more challenging than others, of course, which there always are for any business, uh, we like to look to the metrics. We look at the amount of water Toxins energy and dollars that we've saved our customers and in the last quarter alone We were able to save over a billion gallons of water by the actions that we've taken and our community has taken with our platform So I say that because we're really proud of what we did But I always remind people never doubt you even as an early stage You know bootstrap startup just getting started you have the power with your actions to change the world And I do believe in that hundred percent. I think about personally and professionally what I'm doing Doing for my four-year-old son and one child on the way, I want them oh, to have how nice. clean water to drink, a planet to live on, and I know we can be a key part of making that happen. Yeah,
4: listen, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I want to talk about the statistics of, about uh, the, the water and how much it takes to to make a single shirt. That was fascinating to me. We'll be right back.
1: Now the women to watch, CEO Watch.
6: Hi, everyone. I'm Don Zier here with today's CEO Watch. Today, I want to talk about the importance of listening to understand. While this sounds like common sense, truth be told, many of us are not engaged listeners. All too often, I find myself in situations where one party is simply listening to wait for the speaker to take a breath so they can jump in. Ever been in those types of meetings where people pile on with their own thoughts or change topic without ever acknowledging the initial thought? Also, I'm sure many of us have been in meetings, and most of us have been guilty of this, where half the room is looking at their emails or texting while someone else is presenting, or the multitasking that goes on while we're on conference calls. It's fair to say that technology is often a distraction to effective listening. So, how do we become better listeners? One. Encourage participants to recap what the last person said and build off that. This helps avoid one of the most frustrating moments in a meeting where someone else repeats what just has been said and they receive the acknowledgement for it. When that happens, a helpful tactic that I often deploy as a leader is to thank the person for repeating what the other person just said. Two, establish a no cell phone policy during meetings. This one is hard to enforce, but it unquestionably fosters better listening and engagement. Three, as an executive... Don't lead the conversation. Set the stage with the purpose of the meeting, but wait until the end to weigh in with your own thoughts. And four, finally, as a CEO, I like to have listen-only meetings, where I bring together a group of people across different functional areas to hear what they're thinking. Multi-million dollar ideas have come out of sessions like these, along with critical insights on culture, strategy, and engagement. Not being heard is a huge demotivator and it erodes engagement. To that end, as leaders, we also need to train our teams how to communicate well. Teach them to be on point, concise, and factual. Those that communicate well are the best heard. Thanks for listening. I'm Don Zier here for CEO Watch. Have a great week.
4: Two three 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 one seven seven. That's msjacad.org dot org or two one five two three 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 one seven seven. Listen, Joe Krause of Krause's Coats, inviting you to donate a slightly worn coat or jacket and help kids in need stay warm this winter. Go to Krausey's Coats Facebook page. Join Haircuttery, helping Cradles to Crayons meet their need of twelve thousand kids' coats. Happy holidays. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. you're just tuning in i'm having a wonderful conversation with stephanie benedetto she's the founder and ceo of queen of raw um it's a really unique and amazing technology platform um just before the break we were talking about you know the water and and how much will be saved um by the work that you're doing and when i read this statistic about 700 gallons of water to produce one t-shirt why is that
5: it, it's it, it's staggering i'll actually tell you it's 700 gallons of water to produce one shirt, And 700 gallons of water on average to wash that shirt in its lifetime. So it actually, for every shirt you own, every cotton t-shirt, it's 1,400 gallons of water. That's enough water for one person to drink for six years. (laughs) So it's a massive, massive environmental impact. I mean, the growing of cotton obviously consumes a large amount of water, especially if it's not organic cotton. The dyeing, the treatment, the rinsing of textiles in the process of turning that cotton fiber into a textile, um, takes a massive amount of water, and there's a ton of wastewater created. It's just, it uses it in incredible amounts, and it's an issue not a lot of people are aware of. Um, But little known fact, textile production is, in fact, the number two polluter in the world of clean water globally. And it sits behind the number one polluter, which is oil and agriculture, of course, which textiles use a part of. So it's uh, a big problem, but in that lies a big opportunity to solve the world's water crisis.
4: Wow. Um, Okay. I want to know what you – you have some wonderful um, partners. And I want to know what your tactic was for securing companies like Dell and Nike and Louis Vuitton – um, mm-hmm. Again, did you have, you know, did you go into any of those calls, or did you have contacts, you know, that that allowed you to be in front of those people and, get you them know, to, to, sign to get
5: it. To get incredible partners, it obviously, it it takes effort. We were very fortunate, obviously, I had my family history in this industry, and I did have a prior startup, so I did have some relationships with some businesses before. Um, We are located here in New York by the Garment District, which is obviously a a wonderful place to be for business and for pleasure. Um, But in order to nurture and grow and really develop those partnerships and relationships, we spend a lot of time getting to know our customers, understanding what are their problems and their pain points and how we can solve them. And each one, although we have the common problem of waste that we're solving, the way we apply our technology and integrate with each of our partners is unique and special based on their needs and wants and the results that we can drive to them and what their goals are in the coming years. And so kind of getting to know them better. We do spend time on the ground presenting in person to their c suite to understand what those problems are and deliver a real custom, personalized result. One recommendation I do make to other entrepreneurs as well as the benefits of getting free money from a lot of these competitions, especially as a woman in business and in sustainability, you also get open access and exposure to these incredible partners. And we've been fortunate to get some of these deals out of those contests and press and awards. So you know, something definitely for people to look into that can open you up to a huge global community.
4: Right, and and to have those partners down the road as you grow and they're growing and and um, opening up more opportunities. Absolutely. I, right. So I would imagine you're not viewing this um, technology platform perhaps just for the textile garment fabric no. industry. Tell tell me what you think it could Quite be right. used for.
5: I mean, we were excited. We called ourselves Queen of Raw for a very specific reason. I mean, this is raw materials. We've started our platform and waste around textiles and the fashion industry because, as we just talked about with the numbers, it is such a massive impact on the world and, and a big economic opportunity to solve. But this absolutely applies across industries around the world and across raw material types. We've looked at in the future and starting to examine applications in automotive, aviation, computer electronics. I mean, any supply chain that creates something has waste. And they need a market to do something with that waste and they need tools that we leverage using blockchain and machine learning to help them minimize that waste going forward. And if we can solve that across these industries, the, the environmental impact and beneficial benefit from a business perspective is massive.
4: Right. You know, I love the fact that there's a lot of initiatives around, um, you know, recycling and, and let's not have the waste, but inevitably there will be. So you're yes. addressing that next step, which is important. We
5: wanted both. We yeah. wanted the marketplace where they could monetize it in bring together a community of people across industries who never had been together in the digital space to be able to access the materials they need out of these unused materials. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the goal ultimately is that we have them on our tools and we've helped them minimize those waste streams going forward. So, of course, I agree, we'll probably always have some form of waste, but if we can reduce that amount of waste, it's economically beneficial for the businesses. We've seen that we've helped some businesses improve up to 15% off their bottom line in a year just by identifying and monetizing it waste and now minimizing it going forward. And then, of course, they get a sustainable story, so they get to improve their top line. And this matters more and more today, especially with all the changes in the laws. Um, We're a part of a consortium here in New York City to make New York City circular in the coming years, and we're backed by government and enterprise corporations. And these changes are coming, and they have real dollars ascribed to them. We want to be the solution to offset that liability.
4: You know what, Stephanie, it sounds to me as though your time as a corporate attorney has been extremely helpful for you (laughs) in being an entrepreneur. Really, you have all of this uh, background knowledge and even just the lingo to be able to, um, you know, converse with people and get things done that perhaps another entrepreneur might not have.
5: It was very helpful. I I learned a ton doing public and private company work on Wall Street um, before the market crashed and before I went out on my own. And I think, you know, having that way to think logically, to be able to draft contracts definitely saved a lot of money in the early period of our business because I'm I'm doing legal work
4: ourselves. So that
5: helped too.
4: (laughs) Yeah, I bet. I bet. Listen, uh, we're going to go into another break. Stay with us for Dr. Marianne Ritchie of Jefferson University Hospital.
2: The women to watch. Health Watch. For Health Watch, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. I've worked in hospitals for over 30 years, but a recent visit to my friend in the hospital helped me to see the experience through the eyes of a patient. Pain, medicine, and fever made her sleepy and a bit confused about the doctor's words and the next steps in her care. How do you stay safe when you're a patient in the hospital? Bring a list of your medicines and allergies. Do not assume electronic records are accurate. Ask who's coming into your room. Are you a doctor, a resident, a nurse, and get their name. When the nurse brings you a pill or an IV, ask the name of the medicine and what it's for. Any side effects? If you have itching, wheezing, or a rash, call for help immediately. It may be a serious, even life-threatening reaction. Do not take any of your own medicine from home without asking your doctor. It may interfere with the medicines in the hospital. If you have surgery in an area that has two sides, make sure everyone knows it's the left leg or the right kidney. Do not eat any food or candy that's a gift till you check with your nurse. You may be on a restricted diet. Do not get out of bed without help. Sedation or sickness itself put you at risk for serious injury from a fall. Wash your hands and ask staff, doctors, nurses, wash their hands before they touch you, especially if you have an incision. Patients can die from hospital-acquired infection. Avoid touching door handles, especially in the bathroom. Leave your valuables at home. If your hands swell or you need surgery or an MRI, you don't want your wedding rings to be lost or stolen. And if you come from the ER, Have your family take your wallet, computer, and jewelry. Have a patient advocate, a family member or friend can help you navigate, filter information, and keep a notebook with events, dates, and medicines. And finally, when it's time to leave, go over discharge instructions very carefully. Know your medicines, diet, activity level, and what number to call if you get sick again. And ask when you should come back to see your doctor. So divas, remember, the hospital is hospitable, but it's not a hotel.
1: If you believe that family, charity, or money is deeply important for the greater good, Fortis Wealth invites you to a highly personalized financial discovery process to help you visualize your financial legacy. It's not for everyone, but if you're willing to invest the time and thought, they can offer advice and strategies to help you accomplish your dreams. Fortis Advisors is a wholly owned subsidiary of Fortis Wealth, an investment advisor registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Visit Fortis-Wealth.com today, because tomorrow is waiting
2: women to watch
1: finance watch this is
7: terry and this is maggie and we're from fortis wealth many people attempt financial planning on their own relying on luck and do-it-yourself advice from well-meaning friends family or co-workers this may work in some situations but there are no one size fits all solutions in financial planning financial solutions are specific to individuals and families and there are many factors to consider including age health net worth types of assets and debt income needs and more Even then, there's no one solution that works the same for everyone. Be wary of those who suggest otherwise, such as
0: offering always or
7: never answers or advice.
0: A good advisor should not give advice in a vacuum. When it comes to when to draw Social Security, for example, questions should include, what other sources of income do you have? Will that income change if one spouse dies, and by how much? Is there longevity in your family? As advisors, our job is to make sure clients know about their options and their various tools they can choose from. Depending on the situation, that may mean using stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, REITs, annuities, life insurance, long-term care strategies, cash, and or retirement accounts, among others. A written financial plan can be helpful when it shows different scenarios and how each tool will work. Examples might be, what if one spouse dies prematurely or is disabled for even a short time? What if there is a down market at retirement like in 2008? Suppose you or a spouse needs long-term care. When choosing an advisor who will help
7: you with your financial planning, here are a few tips. Stay open-minded and learn about all your options. Choose an advisor who isn't planning in a vacuum. If they say things like, everyone should take Social Security at age 70, if they say, never use annuities or life or long-term care insurance to solve issues, or if they only use a certain financial vehicle for each client, that is planning in a vacuum. Find a licensed fiduciary financial advisor willing to explore and use all the financial tools possible to help you stay in control of your planning needs as life brings its inevitable changes. This is Terry, And this is Maggie. Peace out.
2: You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio
4: I have a wonderful guest this evening, Stephanie Benedetto, the founder and CEO of Queen of Raw. At Stephanie, at the top of the show, you mentioned the phrase blockchain technology, and not everyone knows what that is. Can you tell yes. our listeners what that is?
5: Absolutely. That B word, blockchain, just like the S word, sustainability, it means a lot of things to a lot of people. But- It automatically, in some people's minds, you think Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, that is not what we are, you know, interested in for our business purpose. Blockchain technology, in its simplest form, is just a way to provide integrity to the information you're collecting about a product in the digital space. So for everything that is, we sell in our platform and in our marketplace that is unused textiles, we're able to tell what it's made of, what it came from, who it goes to, what sustainability certifications are ascribed to it. And we have integrity to that data and that information. We know the whole record and the whole story. So I believe that when it comes to traceability, transparency and understanding where things move through a supply chain, blockchain is the future. Mm, Definitely.
4: Listen, this is not the most original question, but I'd love to know what your typical day is. What are you Mm -hmm. going to be doing after this interview? Um, After this interview, we actually
5: were very fortunate to be uh, the Circular Economy winner of the MIT Solve Challenge, so we actually have a call with our MIT team and to talk to them about that very topic, some of our blockchain and machine learning initiatives and the way we can grow and develop the tools that we've built for our community around sustainability and waste. you know, no day, obviously, in, a, in an early stage startup or in any business is ever typical. After that, we, are, we have calls with investors, calls with customers, managing kind of our day-to-day customer inquiries and requests with the team. But my co-founder and I do always set time during the day to go over, you know, high level, what is important, what are our current points. Plan- pressing points and what we need to address and what are kind of the long-term goals to make sure everyone is aligned and our tech team and our biz dev and sales team are aligned as well.
4: So, you know, entrepreneurs spend a lot of time, um, especially in the beginning, uh, meeting and talking to people, trying to get the word out there. Do you enjoy that? Is is that one of your sweet yeah. spots?
5: I absolutely love it. I mean, we, you can build the greatest business in the world, but if you're not out there with a point of view and a vision and an idea to innovate in a new space, um, you know, and you're not sharing that, people aren't going to know about it. So we do spend a lot of time with press, with, uh, you know, on podcasts, doing YouTube videos, because this is also in in some ways new space for people and so we need to educate our community we need to share our vision and our story that's critical to kind of to us to growing any business and to
4: learning and understanding what the community wants and needs. Right, exactly. So, you know, in all of the in all of my research on you and 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 the videos that I've watched, you always appear to be extremely confident and calm. In your delivery, are you always, you know, are there, you know, times when you're second guessing? And and if so, what do you do in those uh, moments where you're a a little bit unsure? Well, thank you. I I appreciate the kind words and support. And of course,
5: you know, we want, we do believe, and if you believe in the product that you produce and you believe in the vision of the company and the mission, and you look at the numbers of the impact you're having, I think that can give you the confidence, Um, even in the moments when you're a little bit uncertain or nervous about a move you're making or a change you're having in the business, uh, that helps drive you. And it's something you can fall back on to know that you are going towards a common goal and realizing your vision and your dreams. Um, Of course, there are always moments when when you're going to question something. I'm very fortunate to have an incredible co-founder who has been with me since day one for over six years when this was an idea in my head that we sketched out on a napkin at a Starbucks (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, being able to support each other through this, coming from different points of view, but but with a similar vision and dream that really helps us align where we are. And we do question each other and we talk to our team and have articulate conversations over differences of opinions. That's very important, too, because I want to learn from the incredible team we've built up around us and their expertise uh, to be able to make the right decisions going forward together.
4: You know, what is it about Starbucks? You're not the first to say that an idea came on a napkin at Starbucks. I've had guests before with that. That's so funny. It is
5: magic. Something <laughs> so- happens with the the right uh, the right coffee and the right
4: <laughs> <laughs> the right muffin yeah. perhaps. Um, listen, I want to share another quote um and and talk about kind of what you in- hope for uh in the future for your own children you mentioned. Uh, I know you have a son, Jacob, and and one on the way. Congratulations. You said, I'm hoping my son, Jacob, will take the reins one day and become the prince of Raw. So you're really hoping that the family kind of business continues on? Well, I
5: say that a little bit more in jest. Of course, I want him to realize whatever his missions and dreams are, and will probably be even more incredible than mine in the future generations. But I mean, less in in the practice of the business, but more in the feeling that with his generation who are inheriting an an incredible world, but with some problems that we have created for them to have the vision and the dream to be able to figure out what the challenges in the world that he wants to solve and have the tools, the expertise to go out and solve it uh, for himself and for his generation as well.
4: Yeah. And it's so tough for kids today, right? I mean, your son is is young, but tell me your thoughts on... Gosh, the social media, um, Internet, all of that, that's something we didn't have growing up and how you can kind of protect your kids from it without keeping them in a bubble, you know? Yeah.
5: No, that I mean, I'm very transparent. We do have technology in the home, but if he's going to use it, I want him to understand and learn from it. And so a part of what I try to spend time to do is we actually do coding. He's four years old, but he understands basic coding and wow. he has a coding tool and we talk about it. So he's not just consuming the videos he's watching. He understands why and how it works wow. and the pr- videos that he's watching are educational and he is learning about real world problems. Um, you know, speaking about that 60 second pitch for Ashton Kutcher and the team. When I was practicing my pitch, um, I remember one day pushing my stroller with my boy in the loud streets of New York City, and I hear something coming out of the stroller, and I lean forward. And all I hear is, "Are you naked right now?" You're not because you're using fabric. It's everywhere. And he literally was doing my pitch. This little oh. doing <laughs> my pitch. And I said, "You know what? If he can get my pitch down and understand the environmental impact this has, then anybody can, and we can change." So. Oh well.
4: my gosh, that's awesome! Listen, we're going to take one last break. Uh, we'll be right back with Stephanie Benedetto. Stay with us for Mary Manzo of Pathways for our Tech Watch.
6: Introducing Pathways Consulting Group, a company that will align your IT needs with your business goals. Pathways is a full-service ServiceNow partner. What does that mean? It's simple. Pathways will collaborate and design, develop, and deploy solutions for your company today that will define tomorrow. Pathways will provide world-class enterprise service management solutions. Pathways Consulting Group. They listen. They care. They execute. Go to PathwaysCG.com. That's PathwaysCG.com.
4: This is Joe Krause of Krause's Coats inviting you to donate a slightly worn coat or jacket and help veterans in need, stay warm this winter. Go to Krause's Coats on
5: Facebook and join Martin Law, the law firm for workers, to help those who served. Have a happy holiday.
2: Now, the women to watch. Tech
3: Watch. Hi, I'm Mary Manso from Pathways Consulting Group. It's that time of year when hackers are on the prowl. So what do you do if you think you've been hacked? Here are a few tips by BroadbandSearch.net that might help. Your first step is to cut off all access to whatever it is that the hackers have stolen. If it's an account, log in and change the password. If they've gotten your credit or debit card, you'll want to call the bank and have them cancel it. This is definitely painful, but necessary. Second, you're going to want to monitor your other accounts for the next days or weeks to ensure that nothing strange is going on with them. If you want to be on the safe side, you can change your passwords on those accounts as well. I know with my banking institution, I get fraud alerts. Recently, I received a fraud alert after my credit card was declined at Starbucks. Though I felt embarrassed being declined purchasing a cup of coffee, I was grateful for the text alert. I immediately called my bank. They told me that someone called them using my name and card number, and when they were asked my verification questions, the suspicious person hung up the call. The bank informed me that I should replace the card, which I did, and I've been carefully monitoring my account since. If the hack was a non-banking entity, you'll want to reach out to them directly. They may be able to help you identify the severity of the attack, and your call could alert them to something larger that may be going on, which will prevent others from a similar situation. If you notice more than a couple of suspicious activities, you may want to notify the authorities who will provide you with the guidance on next steps. I'd like to thank Amber at BroadbandSearch.net for reaching out to me and sharing some awesome tips. If you like to read up on more great security tips, check out their blog on their website. If you'd like to share your experiences or articles on this topic, email me at mary at pathwayscg.com.
4: Enjoying my conversation with Stephanie Benedetto, the founder and CEO of Queen of Raw, which is based in New York. Correct? Are you, yes, it is. Are you, is your office in Manhattan? Yep.
5: Yeah, well, our office is right by the Fashion District. Although we are global, uh, our team is based here.
4: Oh, and that was a question I had for you. You know, in today's world, we have teams and, and partners, and sometimes we're all together in one place, and sometimes we're not. What is your logistics? Yep. Our core
5: team is physically located here in New York, which is obviously helpful, especially as a smaller early stage team to be able to set the vision of the business and the goals, but we definitely have independent contractors, consultants, and interns that we work with around the world. And that's been really powerful because although we started our platform in New York in the United States, we are now fully global. And so to be able to have that presence in other locations, we can not only learn from them and what they're doing for us as as work, but also in terms of cultures and appetites for what we're doing and understanding uh, local environments in other parts of the world than we're we are physically
4: so now that you have um done this which again you're fairly in the in the beginning but it's thriving and um Thank very you. successful there's no doubt do you have future aspirations to you know yeah. set, so, save the world in, a, in another realm or you know are you really just 100 focused on um, queen of raw right now
5: Right now, absolutely focused on Queen of fraud, but we see a lot of opportunities to continue to grow the enterprise solution that we've developed and how we can support and nurture our enterprise companies to help them monetize and minimize all of that waste in their supply chains. And, of course, as we alluded to earlier, I want to take this across industries across raw material types and around the world. I do believe in the future that we are building an Alibaba or Amazon done right and that we can do things better. Wow. Wow. That's a a big vision. (laughs) right well if you're not doing a big vision then what are you doing right (laughs) you know uh, and obviously if we accomplish even a portion of our goal we literally do have the power to solve the world's water crisis and then i can go on to the next world challenge that i want (laughs) to (laughs) solve so we'll
4: take it right okay tell me um what's hard for you. So, you know, on this show, we never want to pretend that that all of these amazing women, um, you know, that everything's easy. So what can you share with with women that might be listening uh, that you struggle with, whether it's personally or professionally that you you have to manage?
5: One of the things I learned very quickly as an entrepreneur is you have to be comfortable asking everyone you know, and everyone you don't know for help. And that did not come naturally to me. As you probably can tell from my personality, um, there was this internal confidence and strength, this belief that I can I can solve these problems and do it on my own. But when you're building on, on a, bu- a business, especially a large global business with a big, bold vision, as we just talked about, right. you, have, you cannot do it alone. You need a full team and support and uh, to ask people for help in the areas that you don't have expertise because I'm certainly, I'm an expert in what I'm an expert in, but I don't know everything. And what can you learn from others and who can help you and what are the right partnerships? And I think that's something that in the beginning I had to very quickly get over and get comfortable is being able to both identify our strengths. But also as a business and as an individual, identify our weaknesses and then figure out who's the right person to ask for support to help me solve that. And some of these competitions that we've been a part of and we did, we're fortunate to go through the Techstars Accelerator. And having those kinds of platforms and communities were great because they are open dialogue communities where you can ask, I'm doing well in X and I can offer to share X resources with people, but I need help in Y and getting that help.
4: And how about delegating with your own team? So yeah. once you know which yeah. direction you're going to go, are you able to, you know, let go of some control and delegate? Uh, absolutely.
5: You have to. I mean, yeah. you can't. There aren't enough
4: hours in a day to do it otherwise. And that's where being
5: a lawyer has actually helped. I mean, I was trained in in you know, planning my day in six minute increments. So if you see my calendar, my, which I share with my team, my team always laughs because, you know, they know what I'm doing. And then we also know in the aligned visions, and then we also know what everybody else is working on so that we can take full advantage of the day, because then at the end of the day, unless there's something very pressing, I want to be home with my family.
4: Right. Do you, right. Do you keep normal business hours? Not that there are any normal business hours today. You know,
5: having a son has actually been the greatest thing for my business personally and professionally, aside from obviously him being my world and the love of my life. And and I always wanted children and a driving force of why I'm doing what I'm doing. It's also, you know, even after those tough days, when you come home to your boy running to the door saying, welcome home, mommy, I miss you. (laughs) I mean, all of the worries and stress go away Yeah. spend time with them at dinner and getting them to bed. And then of course, sure, if I need to go back online, I will. If he's up in the middle, then I, great, I can, de- you know, check my emails and deal with my deals in China and other parts of the world at odd hours. So it's actually made me very efficient about my time. Um, and you don't waste time on a lot of the other stuff that can sometimes, if you have more free time, consume a lot of your time but not drive a result. Yeah, so yeah. all of those six-minute increments during the day, the goal is that it has a result uh, that's beneficial for the business.
4: Yeah. You know what, Stephanie, just listening to you, I can hear your passion and excitement for what you're doing. And I would really bet that your um, just positivity in general is very helpful because we talk, well, we don't, I don't ever ask about work life balance. I say it's life. And sometimes we're working, sometimes we're playing, sometimes yes. we're resting. Um, yes. But so here you are, you know, running this company, coming up with the idea, uh, a mother expecting another and you're doing it so for someone who's listening and thinks it's just too much i i can't manage it all what is your best advice what what works for you
5: my idea is you don't need to think that you have to manage it all every second of every day Whatever you're passionate about, whatever your dream and vision is, just get out there and do it. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to be an entrepreneur if that's always been your dream. Don't be afraid to also raise a family if that's also important to you. You know, our time can be in some ways so, feel so limited, but it is so valuable and rewarding when you're doing what you're loving that it just elongates everything and makes it that much more meaningful. Don't be afraid. Get ideas out there. Get products out there in the market get your family going and take advantage of every moment and I promise you will not regret it
4: and in our last minute that we have um, first of all are you are you hiring are you looking for help
5: we are always looking for the right people so please if anyone is interested feel free to reach out to me I'm very open and transparent I'm at Stephanie s-t-e-p-h-a-n-i-e at queenofraw.com open and available and happy to help and learn more from anyone, anytime.
4: And when people go to your website, um, what are they going to see there?
5: Yes. So if you go to our website, you'll obviously see our marketplace, our platform for you to buy and sell these unused raw materials like fashion fabrics. You'll also see a lot about our community building, our tools and resources to help you with learn more about sustainability, more about these business practices and educational tools. We do have an enterprise section for our larger customers who are interested in more of the data and analytics and and support that we can offer. And then there's a contact us button. So feel free to contact us any way, shape or form. We're always available. Terrific.
4: Listen, Stephanie, I so appreciate your taking time out of your busy day to share your story. And uh, I hope you'll stay in touch with the show. And I wish you continued success. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Go change the world, everyone. All right. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Thank you so much to our sponsors, as always, for helping me to bring you the real story behind her title. Here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Have a great week.
1: Thanks for listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Kraus at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.
5: This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on.